Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the June uh, construction webinar. I'm sorry, we, we started off a little bit of a technical difficulty there, but it should be good now. Um, if you can't see or hear me, just put it in the comments, but everything should be fine. So welcome, happy June. We are halfway through the year. Um, for those of you joining me for the very first time, my name is Tashio Rasul. I'm a partner here at Lois Law Firm. Uh, at Lois, we practice workers' compensation defense in New York and New Jersey. I do all of New York. In particular, I handle construction uh, claims arising out of work accidents, and we have a dedicated team here at Lois that handles the workers' compensation uh, claims that arise out of construction accidents. I head up that team. I have um, attorneys and paralegals who are dedicated. And as you know, if you have joined my webinar before, or if this is the first time, uh, this is a new series for 2020. And also new this year is the uh, Construction Claims Handbook, How to Defend Construction Claims in New York, authored by yours truly. Uh, here's a copy up in the screen. If you'd like a copy, I can send you a physical copy or a PDF. Let me know. Send me an email. Um, it's uh, it's an overview of construction uh, claims in New York and issues that come up in both workers' compensation and uh, general liability claims. I go through the, the basic laws and uh, the issues that we oftentimes see, so there's a good understanding. So, if you'd like a copy, definitely let me know. All right, so today's webinar is going to focus on uh, responding to the catastrophic loss. So I started this year by talking about the basics of workers' compensation, general liability claims that arise out of work accidents. Um, at the last webinar, I discussed uh, preparing for the loss. Now the time is to uh, talk about how to react or, you know, what, what do we do in response to a loss? All right, so today we'll talk about the importance of on-site investigations. I can't stress enough how important that is. And activating the team that we talked about last month, uh, the team that consists of so many different parties that each, each one of them plays a very important role. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, COVID-19 updates in workers' compensation. And at the end, there's a live Q&A. You can type your questions into the box that looks like this, and I will provide an answer to you. Um, if you think of any questions after the webinar is over, you can always email me and I'll send you a response. All right, so let's talk about the importance of the initial investigation. All right, so, the job site is a changing organism. We all know we can get from demolition to the actual real first phase in a matter of maybe 90 days. Uh, equipment's moved, uh, the, the, the labor changes, workers come, they go. And when an accident happens, so many things can change within the first, let's say even 12 hours. And because of this, because it changes so quickly, it's important to do that investigation as soon as the accident occurs. All right, the workers and trades leave, as I mentioned, because the, the crew that comes in for a demo would be different from the crew that uh, removes the, the foundation or puts in the new foundation or starts building the structure. And, you know, as, as 
most of the New York workers' compensation, uh, I'm sorry, most of the New York construction uh, has union members. They just move from project to project as soon as the work's done. Uh, equipment and tools are being moved all the time. Let's say someone was operating a machinery, a construction, some kind of a construction equipment. As soon as the accident happens, I mean, they might be using that equipment to move on to some other aspect of the job. Um, so it, you know, it's important to get on there right away to to uh, see what exactly happened, where the equipment was, um, see what the witnesses have to say. Surveillance from neighboring uh, buildings or even from the job sites. Now, I know a lot of construction uh, projects don't have surveillance on them, and it's really because uh, the nature of it, right? The structure is being removed or modified. It's hard to keep them in place. But in New York City, there's surveillance everywhere. So I think we should um, try to get that surveillance as soon as possible because they're usually taped over every two weeks or every month. Um, so that's something we should be looking into getting as soon as possible. Now, which accidents should be investigated? I know you're thinking every accident should be investigated, right? But we really need to focus on the catastrophic ones. The ones where there's a loss of limb, uh, maybe head injury, deaths, um, the ones that in, involve like a fall from height, a scaffold or a ladder, or the use of heavy equipment or machinery. And this is important because these types of claims are the ones that we see very often, or most often I should say, turn into a general liability claim. As we know, uh, labor law section 240 deals with a fall from heights. Many of the claims we see involve some kind of a fall off a, a, a scaffold or a ladder, or even falling off of um, a, a building, like a second, third, fourth, fifth floor, anything that involves a height, uh, generally leads to a general liability claim. Also, with the, the use of heavy equipment or machinery, you know, if there was a malfunction or someone was um, misusing it, that also leads to a general liability claim. And because of the potential high exposure of the general liability claims, um, this it, it's very very important to do a very thorough on-site investigation as soon as possible. Of course, don't get me wrong. I think every accident should be investigated. Um, but you know, if it's if it's if it's like a slip and fall or a little ouchie that just required a band-aid, the intensity of the um, in, investigation or the depth of the investigation wouldn't be the same as as that for a catastrophic accident. So let's focus on the catastrophics, the fall from heights, the, the, the accidents that involve the use of heavy equipment and machinery from the moment we become um, aware of those kind of accidents. All right, so the on-site investigation, I think it should take place as soon as possible, preferably within 12 hours. Sometimes 12 hours really is too long if you're in the middle of heavy construction, uh, equipment's removed, or might be the last day of that phase of the project, and you know the workers are leaving, or, or we have situations where workers are leaving because of the accidents and they don't come back. Um, so the general rule of thumb would be within 12 hours of the accident, send out your crew to start the investigation. Use your vetted investigator. So last month we talked about the 
different parties should that should be um, identified and ready to go in event there is a loss. The investigator that you, you you decided to use who should already be familiar with the project, the way the um, the OSIP or CSIP works, use that one. Don't go searching for a new one. All you need to do is pick up your phone, give them a call, send them out there. Consider a cloaked or an attorney-driven investigation. So in practically all of the catastrophic uh, uh, accidents investigations that I've seen, the general liability counsel usually goes out with the investigator. And this is to help guide the investigator, to uh, provide them with questions to ask the witnesses, for them, for the attorneys to have a good understanding of the job site, where the accidents happen, who was present, what was present. Because remember, we're talking about multi-million dollar claims that are going to be filed, and it's important for the attorney to have that understanding. Not only the general liability attorney, but I think you should call in your workers' compensation attorney also, because as you know, and as I've talked about, I think in every single webinar so far, the workers' compensation claim moves at lightning pace compared to the general liability claim. We can go from accident to uh, trial within probably 60 days, uh, 75 days, 90 days, and we need all of the evidence we can possibly get. Now, workers' compensation handles these claims a little differently than general liability. For example, in general liability, you know, um, the fault of one person is, is taken into consideration or negligence is taken into consideration. In workers' comp, as long as there's an accident, that's all the board cares about. So we need to, in the very, very beginning, dispel all um, false information, any fake accidents, uh, any any um, misinformation that we've received or, or we anticipate the claimants going to produce at the hearing. And this is why I think the workers' compensation defense attorney needs to be involved. I've personally been involved in many of these initial investigations, and I feel um, it's better enabled me to defend the claims because in speaking with the investigator, when I learn about the type of accidents, I know the questions that I have to say, hey, Mr. Investigator, these are the questions I need you to ask the witnesses. These are the pictures I need. Uh, these are the people I need you to look for on the job site because they would have an important role in the accident some, somehow or the other. Um, so definitely uh, consider, a, it's called a cloaked investigation with having your GL attorney go out there. Um, even though the claim may not turn into a general liability claim or the claimant may not file one for whatever reason, you have your general liability counsel on, um, on panel. So just activate them right away, let them go out there and do what they need to do. Um, all right, so that's that's really what we should be doing for the, the on-site investigation. Now, what information should be collected? Let's talk about that a little bit. All right, witness statements. So we need the who, the what, the where, the when, the how, all of that stuff, okay? A lot of times, um, like I said, a lot of the jobs have union workers. There's um, a really close brotherhood. No one, either no one wants to talk about it or everyone wants to talk about it and they're talking too much about it. They're making things up. So we not only need to focus on those, uh, the, the co-workers, the laborers, but we also need to get in touch with the, the superintendent or the foreman 
or anyone who is not from the unions who was there. Hopefully there is an eyewitness um, superintendent or something like that. A lot of times there isn't because they come in, they walk around, they ensure things are going fine, and then they go back to maybe like another project or something. But we need to identify who exactly was there. Speak with them. Get all get all of the information, all of the details. You know, uh, where was the claimant? Uh, how did he fall? Did he fall on his back, his head? Who was there? Who picked him up? Who took him to the hospital or the urgent care? Um, was was a report made to the subcontractor, the general contractor? Like all of these things need to be uh, asked of the witnesses as soon as we talk to them. Um, also. Uh, Sequestration of tools or devices or equipment. This is usually done through the cloaked uh, investigation. Um, you know, whatever whatever tools or equipment were involved, I think it should be, and investigators would recommend this, that they are put aside, not used anymore until the, the, the investigation is complete. Um, photographs should be taken, videos if possible. If you're able to talk to witnesses, the witnesses should show us what exactly was going on with the machinery, how it was done. Um, any type of an emergency response report. So your safety team who you've vetted prior to the loss should be keeping a report of every accident that occurs. Hopefully it was reported. Hopefully it was a real accident and it was reported. Oftentimes we see cases where, guess what, there's no accident, so there's no report, no one told anyone anything. Um, so get that report, speak with the person who drafted the report, uh, find out where they got the information from, and also images of the accident location, you know, close up, far away, um, uh, a drawing or some kind of like a, a layout of the entire job site is usually helpful. We generally don't get these, but I think it's very helpful to see where exactly, you know, the northeast corner of the project, the southeast corner, whatever. Um, the more information we get about the actual layout of the job site, where it happened, who was there, uh, what they saw, or what, what didn't happen, I think it's very important for both the workers' comp and the general liability claims. All right, so you then have to, so you've gotten your, um, your investigator out there, you've gotten your GL attorney, you've called your workers' comp attorney. But remember, last month we talked about these like 10 or 15 or 20 other parties that are on the team, right? Now is the time to communicate with them. And this should be done really within 24 hours of the accident. Usually, oops, I went ahead. Okay, so usually the, the, the owner or the broker they already know what's going on, right? By the time it gets to the insurance carrier or the TPA. Um, but if if they don't, for some reason, it was just reported directly to the carrier, it's time to pull out that team contact list. We talked about having published um, a list of everyone who's involved in the project with the contact uh, information, uh, email and phone number, and what their role is. And remember, we did that pre-loss big meeting where everyone met each other and they know what their role is and now it's time to start working together. So we need to talk to the on-site nurse or medic. Usually they have a lot of good information for us, provided it's a real accident and they were notified of it. Um, if they weren't notified of it, I, I think that's a little sketchy and we should be 
um, doing investigation to focus on why, because every project, every well-run project that has a medic or on-site nurse, all the workers know that when there's an accident, they have to report it to them. So, you know, call the on-site nurse. Uh, maybe the investigator is doing this as part of his, um, his job out there and finding out what exactly happened, you know, that the, the nurse or that the nurse actually see the, the claimants after the accident, were they referred to urgent care, were they taken to the hospital? Um, what's usually important for this are the initial statements made, right? Because sometimes we get information showing, well, I've had this pain in my shoulder for six months now, and then all of a sudden today I fell off this scaffolding that doesn't even exist, and you know, my shoulder pain is so much worse now. Those initial statements are the most valuable. The claimants usually don't have time to think about what they're saying. I mean, three months down the road of trial, they're gonna say, oh wait, I, I never said that I had pain in my shoulder for three or six months prior. This all happened, there was a scaffold, I was on it, and I injured my shoulder. So those initial statements are very, very important. Uh, I'd, um, let the general contractor know what's going on. You know, they're really the bosses on the job. A lot of times they're not directly involved because the subcontractors and the super and the foreman are the, the, on, on the forefront. But let the general contractor know what's going on because they can uh, provide us with information about, you know, the, um, the, the work that's being done, whether the claimant was actually supposed to be doing that kind of work. Um, and then, you know, we, 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 it trickles down to the subcontractor and see how it's being managed and how it's reported after work. And if for any reason the broker or the owner doesn't know, you need to let them know because they're involved in decision making. But like I said, they're usually the first ones to know. And if you didn't do the cloaked investigation for whatever reason, this is the time to just call your defense attorney and say, hey, this is what happened. We sent the investigator out last night or two days ago. Do you need any additional information? Um, tell me what you need, all right? As long as you get your attorneys on board as soon as possible, I think you'll be fine. All right, so those were really just the basics of um, responding to the loss. I can't stress enough how important that initial investigation is. We need the report once it's finished. Uh, witness statements, if they're not in English, we need them transcribed. Uh, Follow-up reports, we need those as well. Um, we are very, very careful with how we uh, use the information in these reports and workers' compensation uh, because we never want to jeopardize anything on the general liability side. Um, we would also like to, when, when a decision is made about whether the claim is going to be compensable or not, um, and generally these catastrophic accidents, um, if, if they're still like, uncertainty or inconsistencies, they're usually denied or we recommend that they be denied and we'll need this information. So we prefer to be talk, actually talking to these witnesses as, as soon as we possibly can in close proximity to the accident because we've had situations where we're talking to them six months or a year later and they don't want to talk to us or they had um, they had a bad experience somehow and they're now biased or they just don't remember all of a sudden, right? So, you know, get their contact information, have us talk to them so we can get the information, we can lock them in. 
when we're filing the denial, the denial documents, the pre-hearing conference statements, we have to list the witnesses also. So if we're able to talk to them and get the information, they know that we're on their on their side, they're not gonna be in trouble. Um, I, I feel like any trial goes better rather than try to do it six months later when we actually need to present them in court. All right, so let's talk a little about COVID-19 updates. You know, COVID-19, our lives have been revolving around it for the past uh, two, two and a half months now. Um, thankfully, workers' compensation has been doing virtual hearings, so we haven't been affected in that regard, and hearings continued. Um, we had some, there were some restrictions in IMEs. Uh, they were not, they were not uh, allowed to be scheduled, so that worked to a disadvantage of a lot of the carriers because we weren't able to reduce benefits and push for labor market attachment or you know, properly comment on a need for surgery, and now we're fighting with the judges. Um, and then all of a sudden, labor market attachment, even though they're online resources, uh, judges were holding them in abeyance. And honestly, I think it's just because they don't want to deal with them at this time, right? So a couple of updates. Um, in New York, there is a proposed legislation creating a presumption in COVID-19 death cases for public employees. Now, we don't know if this bill is going to pass. Right now, workers' compensation is not, um, there is no presumption that any COVID-19 claims, whether it's just an illness or lost time, hospitalization or deaths are um, presumed compensable. So we are still recommending that they all be denied. Um, however, the board has added to the medical fee schedule um, COVID-19 testing. This does not mean it's compensable. It's just there just in case a carrier decides to accept it for whatever reason or if it's litigated and found to be compensable. Um, the, the, the addition to the medical fee schedule, it covers just the test. It does not cover uh, routine testing. It doesn't cover antibody testing. Um, so it's, it's very, very limited. It's there, so there's no issue if uh, the carrier has to pay for it. And as I mentioned a little while ago, uh, the restrictions are slowly uh, being removed. We're seeing some activity in New York City again, New York State, construction starting up again. Um, uh, the, the vendors are scheduling IMEs. We've gotten word that the claimants are actually attending IMEs. So if any of your cases are um, ripe for IMEs or have been waiting to get one, go ahead and schedule those. You know, the, the, we'll, we'll get the reports and we can move the claims forward. Also, if you're waiting to file an RFA2 for labor market attachment, now's the time to do it. You'll get a hearing in about a month or so. Hopefully more restrictions are gonna be lifted by that time. But let's move the cases along. I think COVID-19 was just a little bump in the road. Um, I think um, we can still pick up from where we left off. We can still move the cases forward. Um, it might be situations where we wanna like maybe settle out some cases that have been hanging around for a while. We've seen claimants starting to take settlements for next to nothing. Um, I think everyone, they're all in a crunch for money and they wanna go back to work. So, you know, those are all things to think about. Uh, um, the whole COVID-19, I think it could be a blessing in disguise for certain cases. 
but for others we need to keep fighting them we need to uh, keep litigating and do all that we need to do so that's really all for the updates next month i'll have more updates we'll probably have more restrictions lifted at that time um but i'll definitely keep you posted and keep following us too on our website and facebook and twitter we oftentimes post updates and what's going on in terms of the law or new developments with the workers compensation board all right so what's next uh july 6th the second half of the year is going to be our next webinar so i hope to see you again if you know anyone who uh, else who wants to join let them know we'll be talking about legal issues and coordinating defense so i'll try to not make it dry i know the legal stuff gets a little dry sometimes um but there are some uh issues that we should be aware of when we're discussing claims with general liability counsel, um, using information on both sides. We'll talk about some best practices. We'll talk about global settlements. Um, uh, as always, if there's any relevant laws that apply and real life examples, I'll try my best to give those to you. So, you know, you better understand the issues that I'm, I'm discussing. All right. Uh, so it's time for questions. If you have any questions and you haven't typed them in yet, Go ahead and do so right now in this box and let me see if there's any. All right, I don't see any, so hopefully that's a good thing. Hopefully I explained everything you need to, to, to know about investigations. If you can think of any questions about investigations or just construction claims in general or workers' compensation claims in general, anything with COVID-19, uh, send me an email and I'll get your response right away. In the meantime, um, I will see you all next month. Yeah, I'm trying to change my screen. It doesn't screen. Uh, it, it's not changing. <laughs> um, it, it's just the final screen. So, and in the meantime, I'll see you all next month. Remember, if you need a copy of my handbook, the hard copy, I'll send it to you or a PDF copy. If you have any questions in general, just send me an email or give me a call i'm looking to talk to people you know during this quarantine time so uh everyone stay safe be well and i'll see you next month